Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about the Star Wars trilogy of games on the Amiga. That would be um, not the first trilogy, but the second trilogy. The original trilogy. The original trilogy. The only trilogy. good trilogy. I get confused about the way I'm supposed to talk about these things. I don't get confused at all. There's the original <laughs> trilogy, and then there's a bunch of garbage that ruined the series for me later. Thank God this is one of the good things about the Amiga not making more games. That's true. I'll have to sit through a bunch of pod races. Jar Jar Simulator. No, 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 no. But before we get into it, uh, we got some feedback from last week from uh, mm-hmm. our man Gary Hucker. The Huck. Yeah. Huckster. He, he said, just wanted to say congratulations on your 100th episode. I really enjoyed it, as with all your episodes. I've been a little quiet on YouTube and the website front because things have been very hectic lately. Things are starting to get back to normal, so I hope to have more content soon. I started a video on booting from the zip drive on my A500, but I had some issues and put it aside. I think I have it sorted now. So, Gary, as you all probably know, he is one of our big Amigos <laughs> Labs contributors. He does some of the best how-to and sort of kooky knowledge about Amiga hardware videos around. He's the only person I know that made me sad that I got rid of a bunch of zip drives. <laughs> and also, the, the, the uh, his video of him blowing up the one, the interface or whatever, was that that was that the, was the yeah, with the smoke that, coming out. That was one of the all-time great, like, like complete disaster videos. I watched that. I was like, because the title of it caught me. I was like, oh, yeah. And I sat there. It's like, oh man, watching that. You're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there was an Amiga event that happened last week. Um, we weren't invited to this event. This was the this is the WAUG, the W A U G. Where was this at? This is the Amiga User Group in Westchester County, New York. Oh, yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. And uh, Amigo Will met up with the guys from Guru Meditation up there. Yep, I saw photos of this. And uh, so... uh, What's it called again? The WOG? WOG. (laughs) W-A-U-G. The WOG. Yeah. So uh, sounds like the uh, some sort of snow cat that you'd find in Jedi, for example, or no Empire. That's true. Uh, so if you are in the uh, Westchester County, New York area, and you're an Amiga fan, you need to look these guys up. Um, so uh, just follow Guru Meditation on YouTube or uh, Twitter, and they will show you the way. It makes me very jealous. The West Virginia Amiga User Group's meeting right now. Are we? Oh no, we we actually met more people here, so we could actually have a yeah. How many people went to war? I think there were probably five or six people that were. We might have been a muster there. There. I th- there were probably more. I was just looking at that one. Picture. Our problem is active Amiga users. That's gonna be hard. We can get people that know about the Amiga, but yeah, people that are actually using the Amiga. That's a whole different order. In yeah. fact, I've got a quick picture here. I'll show. So this is, uh, this is, there's Will over there on the right, contributor, Amigo Will, and then the rest of the, the rest of the gang there, and I see what appears to be an HP laptop with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> OS 3.1 on it. Now so, Will, is, he's, he's recently gotten up there, uh, to, uh, Yeah, he's, he's new to the area, and I'm glad that he's, uh, he's found. He jumped right in. Amiga fans. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Good for those guys. 
<laughs> All right, Aaron. Um, what news have you? Oh, actually, we got one more bit of news before we start the real news. Happy birthday to Neil Mansell, the man behind Kickstart Magazine, the official Amigos magazine. So, Neil, a working machine. He is a working he machine. Is, he's got ideas. He's he's always active. Happy birthday, Neil. Yeah, very cool. All right, now we move on to the news. All right, let me grab the uh, doodad here. So. A little bit of news this week. Um, <laughs> Chris Foldson over a thing. I Chris Foldson. I haven't uh, haven't looked at this. Uh, this is more your bag than it is mine, folks. It's just a big Apple file. Uh, but the uh, they've released iUAE, the Amiga emulator for Apple iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. I'm assuming this is an update from a previous. Right now, I'll build. tell you why I think this is kind of interesting. All right. Um, with iOS 11, which is the newest operating system coming out for your iDevices, uh, it is actually, um, they're actually turning on some sort of a file management system within the device itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as every Android fan knows, uh, one of the things that's uh, less than ideal for what they call power users is the inability for you to actually get into the iPhone or the iPad's file structure. And, and move files around. You usually have to open up an app and access your files that way. <laughs> really? So um, the uh, with iOS 11, they're trying to make the iPad, in particular, more of a uh, legitimate computing platform. Like, this is the only computer you need instead of it being just a media consumption device. Mm. So um, I don't know if this is going to allow you to do more things as far as, you know, moving files from your computer onto the Amiga or onto the, the emulator. Um, but this will be a neat project to follow. Um, usually, you know, emulators don't get a whole lot of love on iOS. They usually get shut down pretty quickly. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this project moves along. Now, do you have any iOS uh, phones or tablets? I, I think uh, you have an iPhone. I right? have an iPhone, and uh, Eep has an, I- an, iP- an iPad Mini, but I think that it is so old at this point that it no longer functions. I see. So, but you, you might you might be inclined to have a look at this. I, oh, sure, I'll have a look at it on my phone. I mean, there's nothing because I've got nothing Apple in the, in the house. You got nothing Apple in your entire house? Mm-mm. I don't think there's anything Apple in there. Wow. Yeah, I know. Cause I, I have a lot of old crap. Yeah, I, would... I take that back. I think Dale left his a meat as a. Um, Apple phone charging cord. In the there house. you go. So there you go. They have infiltrated. You've got something. In yeah, there. yeah, I agree. Just looking at just looking around right now, I see an Apple IIe, a Mac Plus. So most of my Apple stuff is of the vintage variety. Mm. Uh, well, like I said, that's something if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the uh, fellows have. Uh, let me see. Which this is Galahad slash FLT. They have released one of these. Uh, um, They've re-released a shooter, I should say, called Outlands. I've heard a lot about this game, Outlands. Have you ever heard of this thing? It sounds familiar. It's a, um, it's a top-down deal, right? I've never, I've never played it. I've heard about it. Anyway, they have uh, released a hundred percent crack and fix for it, uh, and so which is good because I'm guessing it was. I guess it had problems. Uh, I, again, I haven't played this, but I, it's something I'd heard. I remember hearing about this a long time ago. I don't know. It, I'm looking at it now as we run the video here. Uh, and this is the first time I think I've ever laid eyes on it. It looks basic, mm-hmm. doesn't it? But I mean, of course, looks, you never know. I see a lot of doodads on the side, so there must be something going on about it. But right. Whatever it is, you can now play it. This looks a little bit like, it reminds me a little bit of Astro Blaster, if you ever played that old game. Mm-hmm. For the, Remember I played that? on the 2600. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Gamer, Games Nostalgia has repacked a, uh, 
has a repacked release of the game Deliverance Storm Lord 2 for the PC and Mac. I'm guessing this is one of those, uh, you know, uh, click it and go gimmicks. This looks a lot like Gods. This is another one that I've heard of, and it does, yeah. I mean, they said it was very gaudy. <laughs> wow, this does look like Gods. I've never seen it, but that, that guy looks he's got awesome. that. He's got that same kind of awkward strut that the guy in Gods has. Hey, too. if you're going to emulate something, that's the yeah. way it looks. It looks pretty good. It looks, we're, it looks we're better than God. right now. I mean, it looks very high res. Yeah, so that might. Put, put that on the list. But, I mean, look, that is exactly like yeah. gods. And look at some of these. Let's skip forward to one of these enemies. So It looks like a, an alien yeah. uh, monkey. So, yeah, yeah, we'll have to good. take a look at that. Pretty good. Uh, by the way, the news on this stuff both came from our, our buddies over at Indie Retro News. We love the best site. What would we do without Indie them, Retro right? News? Um, now, this is something I found interesting. Now, and I'm not fully up to speed on this. I read, this, I read an article on it, but it didn't fully enlighten me. Um, the Amiga on the Lake gang over there on the lake, the American distributors, have agreed on a deal with um, apparently with with Amiga Kit and and to uh, sell the Aeon uh, to be an Aeon dealer. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, if you'll recall, just about a month ago, I guess it was. They had like a, a throwdown, yeah. You know where the uh, Amigo and the Lake guys sort of were like saying, like, "Yeah, we're cutting all ties." This is the worst company that's ever well, existed. I, as I recall, they weren't being supplied appro- appropriately, or I don't know what happened. And you know, one thing I wonder, and having again, we ordered uh, something from Amigo and the Lake, and it was here like that, quick, uh, perfect, well wrapped, everything done. They did it; they sent it fast on their nickel. So I've got nothing bad to say about these guys. And I wonder if the guys overseas didn't know how serious these guys were about what they were doing. I've, I've, enough, I've heard enough interviews. I mean, these guys are really—they're gonna—they're gonna go off the cliff, or they're gonna make it work. One mm-hmm. of the two. There's not gonna be in between. They're gonna lose their shirts. They're gonna make it work. And this is good news, man. Uh, I really want these guys to succeed for the obvious reason that when you're in this side of the pond, uh, if you need Amiga stuff, you're boned. I mean, what took me. Uh, two days to get in the mail would have taken a gosh, I don't know, who knows how long it would have taken. Remember how long it took me to get the last thing I ordered from Amiga Kit? Mm-hmm, for forever. And it's nothing against Amiga Kit or any or anybody else overseas. It's just that you're, what are you going to do? It's a, You're shipping overseas. It's a long you know? way. Weird stuff happens, you know. Uh, it's a lot easier to get it domestically. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, these guys will uh, will get huge. Again, I would love to see them support the older stuff more than they do. But they have some stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've got the ROMs I needed. So this is good news. So I was very pleasantly surprised to, to, to read that news. And let's hope that means they're, they're going to go on to bigger and better things. And then lastly, and this this is actually several days old, uh, but I, I, I hadn't got around to watching it until, until this morning. But uh, Dan, uh, of the uh, and he's one of the guys that does the uh, retro hour show, mm-hmm. uh, which we, of course, I want to mention, by the way, that the retro hour guys had on had the second part of their interview uh, this week uh, with uh, Howard Scott Warshaw or the past week, and uh, it was of course Howard Scott Warshaw who made uh, E.T. He also made Yars Revenge mm-hmm. and and many many Indiana Jones for the Atari, and he's just he is a true Renaissance man. Uh, he's great, and I, I, those guys very they're awesome to get him on. Always great. But uh, this this particular video is on a piracy on the Amiga, and they go into X Copy, among other things on there, which 
X copies that if you were an old pirate, this is one of your uh, programs of choice to copy these Amiga games. And it was, you know, if you're in a sort of like, sort of in a weird way reminiscing, because the way Dan starts is he talks about it. He said he, his buddy had him fix up his 500, and he'd forgotten how, he, he was knocking some discs off for me, forgotten what it was like to like, put the labels on the discs and get your felt pen and write you know, whatever you're writing on. I mean, he's like, and he, he said part of him felt good and this nostalgia was, mm -hmm. I can relate to this. I mean, it's, I know, yes, piracy wrong. Enough said, but I mean, there, when you sat around doing that so much and you had your buddy over and you were just leaning back and you're, you're shooting crap and you're drawing, you're doing your label and okay, pass this over here. And, but mostly you're just chatting with your buddy. Mm -hmm. It's you a know? social thing. It was. Yeah. And, and you, if you think about it, I mean, you think about this now, if you went to work tomorrow and they said, boat, Here's a stack of discs this tall. We need you to format all these, and then we need you to copy stuff with them. Each one of these discs is probably going to take you, you know, five minutes to get through, or three. You'd be like, oh, God, I mean, what a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So when that, when you have nostalgia about that, that's saying something. But, of course, you knew you were going to get a goodie, you go home and try it out. But it was still, but anyway, he, that's sort of what tips off this thing. I, I can relate. So I, I was amused by it. If you're into that sort of thing, give the video a watch. Cool, cool. Well, let's jump over to site updates. Just uh, as always, if you head over to everythingamiga.com, there's always new content coming up. Um, first thing is uh, Dreamcatcher has put up a couple new articles. This is one of my favorite things that he's ever done. Um, Ghosts of Gaming Shops Pass. It made me think. Yeah, uh, he talks about uh, his, uh, his memories growing up in Manchester. And uh, seeing, I guess this was a, this was a PC repair shop, but when they took down the sign, you can still see the exchange there. And uh, did you ever? Did, I don't know. I was never a, a person that that really did a lot of game trading back in to the day. Um, like I know that Funko Land, they used to have like a price sheet where they give you so much per month. Did you ever used to take your old games and trade them in for cash or trade or anything like that? I've never done it. I've never done it either. Uh, now, in terms of the Amiga, I've sold some on eBay recently, but mm -hmm. in terms of, like, I, that would be unheard of. I don't know if a store that would give yeah, you that, credit. Yeah, I guess that was more of a, uh, maybe a European thing. Well, I mean, it became an American thing eventually, because you got, like, Funko Land. I was, gosh, I was old when that thing came Oh, yeah, out. and that's, uh, but that's for console stuff. Right. I don't think they, they did For, for PC PCs. stuff, I do remember places eventually started renting PC games, so I thought that was, but these games, places would never last. It's funny. I was, I was, I read that article and I was heading up to see wrestling. I went and saw wrestling Saturday. Yeah, I, I know we, we meant to. We, we, we should talk about this briefly because I want to know about when you saw live and in person Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart. What about him? He well, you a saw real he's nice a living guy. Legend. No, this was that was last year. Uh, I he, thought this was this past weekend. No, no, that was a long time ago when I saw Jimmy Hart. He wasn't at Madison this past. No, weekend? that was Brother Love was there this weekend. Oh. Yeah, but but Jimmy Hart was real nice. Uh, I asked him what his secret to eternal youth was because he looks almost identical. Mm -hmm. He's in real good shape. He, t he said, "Listen, he goes, listen, man. He goes, I've been on the road a long time. He goes, but you, the key to living a long, healthy life: don't drink, don't smoke, don't do any drugs." And I was like, "Wow, Jimmy, you must have been the only guy on the bus doing that." He's like, "You're right, man. I've outlived them all." You know, he was, but he was a super nice guy. That's cool. But on but on the way up to wrestling, I pass my old Amiga store, mm -hmm. and it's still there. And it's a, it, it's a, where was that Thurman? It's 
Thurman? <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Right there on the train. It's in South yeah. Charleston. Oh, okay. Knucklehead. <laughs> but it's an old, now it's a it's a jujitsu studio. Really? Yeah. Full circle. But, and I thought about taking a picture and I forgot, but uh, uh, it was very similar to that. I, every time I go past her, I think about it, but uh, the transition, because this sort of dovetails, and I was talking to our buddy John from Charleston, who had went to this uh, the, that store ended up moving to another place. They're still around after all these years. And he, I think I mentioned this on the show previous, maybe the hundredth show, where he'd went up there and talked to these guys and said, hey, do you have any Amiga stuff left? And they're like, yeah, we got like a box of it, you know. So anyway, they got back with it. They didn't have any Amiga stuff left after all. But they <laughs> but they did say, listen, because they were like, if we find anything, we'll let you know. He said, but you could have this. And they gave him, a, a, admittedly non-functional, but they gave him in the box a C64. Wow. And so he showed me a picture of it and yeah. <laughs> took it home. Uh, but the, so it's kind of neat that the place that I used to buy Amiga software, all these chickens, they're still around. Mm-hmm. If you know any computer stores in America, they're they up and down like long. a yo-yo. Yeah. But yeah, this store, that story uh, took me back. You know, I, I every once in a while I go past the place where I would have, remember buying a particular piece of software, and then it's always sad. And that one, I thought was that was a good article. Really. Yeah, it made me think. And uh, Dreamcast also has a review of a couple water-based Amiga <laughs> games. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. I but, can't uh, love those little guys. Again, you know, he goes off in all his normal Dreamcatchery and <laughs> directions. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed reading this article, and they, every time I read them, I'm like, "Boy, we need to check that out." And then I remember playing Thundercats and all the <laughs> all the episodes. That I believe the, we did like Crystal. Was mm-hmm. that one an, an Aqua Aquanaut? Aquanaut, yeah. I've never played Aquanaut. I've never heard of that one, but I had heard of Crystal. I mean, I see ads for it too, so that's one I have to put on the list. And yeah. look at his article. I mean, it looked pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So thank you, Dreamcatcher, once again for. Uh, Turning us on to some some new games for our, yeah yeah for, for the list, um, and that, that's it I think for the site updates this week. Um, pretty quiet on the uh, uh, everythingamiga.com front. But, yeah, it's summertime, but yeah, I think people I, are out. We're gonna be start cranking it back up. Yeah. I, I have shirked my duties as a con- content provider due to my well, I've got a myriad of reasons. Pick one, but I'm playing. I've got a couple things that I've been eyeballing. So I'm gonna get back into it. Cool, cool. All right, Aaron, let's go ahead and jump right in. The so, Star Wars trilogy. Ooh. Now, before we start, <laughs> tell me about the first time that you saw Star Wars. It's funny you should mention that, because I was going to go into the story anyway. I knew you would. Um, the fir- as a young Aaron, if you'll recall, in America, Star Wars came out in 77, Okay, which means I was, I was six. I was less than six. I was five and some change, depending on when it came out. I can't remember what part of the year. And I remember it vividly, and I, I'm not like Rob O'Hara, where I can like draw upon these <laughs> memories when I was like two. Right. I got nothing. I don't know what was going on. I was just a big mush-brained goof. And I remember sitting in the living room of our old house, and the ads for Star Wars came on TV. Was this in Jersey? No, this was in. We were in. Uh, we were in uh, West Virginia, and I saw this ad. I was just like. I couldn't freaking believe it as a kid. I remember being, I couldn't freaking believe what I was seeing. And I remember telling the old man, I said, Dad, I want to see that. I didn't know what that was. And I, every time it would come on, I would tell him, we're going to have to go see that when it comes out. And so we ended up going to see Star Wars. And it wasn't too long after it had been out. And I believe we saw it. I believe we saw it in St. Albans, but I, I can't be wondering. I know I've seen one of the three there, and man, it, I couldn't believe it. St. Albans at the Alban? No, at the uh, at the mall. 
There used to be a theater at the mall? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember I was pleased. And so, and I had, I don't, I'm trying to think if I saw any movies in the theater before that. I, I mean, I'm sure he took, they took me to something or another, but whatever it was, I don't remember what it was. This I remember, Star Wars. And so, uh, I was in eager anticipation of, uh, even as a young idiot, I knew there was going to be another one. Got to have another one, and sure enough, it came. So, I saw all these right away, you know, and I'm, I'm old enough to have been one of the guys that saw it right when it came out. I don't know how many people could say that, but I was well, there. Most you know? of the people that are your age can yeah, say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But, but uh, uh, what about you? You were a Star Wars guy out of the gate, or did it take a while? Not really. I grew up with the toys because my mom was an avid yard sailor, uh, and so she'd always go to yard sales and get you know, get the toys, and this is back before people knew the toys were going to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I had this whole collection of Star Wars figures, but I didn't have any context <laughs> of, you know... Uh, I didn't see the movies in a way that I remembered them until the special editions came out. Oh, geez. So, well, just for reference, how old were you in 77? I was negative four. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. I didn't. I probably shouldn't even went there. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I remember seeing the movies at, at, uh, at Dairy Mart. You know, and uh, and being a little bit, I was scared of a lot of things as a child, and I remember that the, the, the covers were scary to me, and I didn't want to see them. I also remembered seeing something odd. I remembered seeing, and, and this is something that I'd never, and I don't know if it's a weird memory, but I remember seeing the movie being rated PG, and then there was like a sticker on it that the Dairy Mart people had put on there that said like may not be suitable for children mm-hmm. on that, and it was on Jedi. And I thought, how how weird. And that made me not want to see it even more because it made it even more scary. It's, it's but, all that teddy bear killing. But it, I didn't. And then later on, I read about how like PG used to be a much more wide ranging rating than it is now. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you remember Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first PG 13 movies ever, mm-hmm. as I recall. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, this is not appropriate <laughs> for a 13 year old. I was like, oh, they can see where that guy's ripping his own face off. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. But so you, so wow. So you, do you, have you seen any, have you seen the Star Wars trilogy before the enhancements? So I did, I saw, I had the, um, there were still really easy ways to get it on VHS, you know, and so the first VHS <laughs> set that I bought was the non enhanced version. Yeah. Um, but uh, I definitely didn't grow up, you know, I was not part of the outrage that accompanied the special editions. It's funny, and we're not going to make this the movie show, but we have to touch on the little. you got to do it. It's Star Wars. But when the, I went and saw the re-releases when I lived in Lexington, when they re-released them in a the theater for the first time, with the, uh, um, and they had, and this is when, you know, the enhanced DVD version, I guess it was, this is the version I saw in a theater. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't think too much about it, but I was like, why? It's the same reason I always wonder why. Why did they bother to do this? Why are you screwing with this? Can mm-hmm. they change stuff? And one thing I distinctly remember is they changed the uh, the explosion of the Death Star, which I thought well, that's kind of weird. Uh, and and I don't remember if this is one of the ones. Uh, do you remember the one you watched the first time? The enhanced is that the one? The first time that they tried to make it where Greedo shot first. I think so. I think you that know? was the first time that they and changed that's, it. That's weak. And I had seen that. I don't know if you ever seen that lost footage that they added on where, with Job of the Hut, who's a big fat like Irish guy, and they end, they end up superimposing the Job that we all know now over him. 
But if you watch, did you I, actually see the big fat? Well, Irish I, guy? no, I watched the PBS special one okay. time where they had that scene mm-hmm. where they're in this hangar. It's like, oh, harden me, boy, <laughs> and I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? And then they end up using that later, years later, and they superimpose job. Over oh yeah, like where Han steps I, on I, his tail. And so all I've been appalled by Star Wars. Never has one series made me so happy and so angry. Well, you're a Star, as the Wars, Star Wars fan. trilogy. Well, what you can't truly be a Star Wars fan unless you seethe with rage when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So, so. With all that aside, uh, we will venture into the realm of the actual arcade game, and well, that got ported to the uh, to the Amiga. So, would you remember seeing this arcade game? I guess it'd be my first question. No, as okay. a child, I never saw this. So. Did you have you played this in the arcade? Uh, I've played the stand-up version. I've never okay. played the cockpit version. I will say that this came in several varieties. And when I first walked in an arcade as a young lad, and I believe this came out in the arcades, I want to say 83 or 84, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about losing your freaking mind, man. This game was awesome. It had the color vector, which I had never seen. I think this may be the first one that did color vector. It had the sit down in the sucker, like you're flying a freaking X-Wing. It had the. It was just like, so it, it didn't bother you that this this game came out a good five years after the first Star Wars movie. No, you weren't. It didn't matter a bit. It, but I saw this thing. I mean, you you instantly, and it's one of these. You know, it's awesome. I saw a guy playing it. And I was just like, that's awesome. And so when I sat down and played it, I was right. Uh, the controls in it, which I believe were the, uh, I think this guy adapted. It seems like I read that the guy that made Battle Zone. Adapted this control scheme from the military version of Battlezone to be used in stores. I may be getting it backwards, but I mean, the the, the controls were unique. It's you know, you got that yoke yeah. and with the with the buttons on it. And when you sat down, of course, the stand up version is equally cool, but the, not equally, but it's no. pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you sit down in this seat and you're and, you, and you're red five standing by, blah, 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 and you, the music kicks up, and you're just like, holy smokes, mm-hmm. where did this come from? So. Uh, it was a perennial favorite of mine. So all of a sudden, it's 1988. Here I've got my Amiga 1000, and uh, this disc happens my way, and it's a Star Wars disc. I'm like, little boy, let's give this a shot, and there it went. So Star Wars again was released in '88 on one disc. Uh, it was Domark published it most everywhere else, but uh, they did have a USA release that was done by Broderbund. Mm. Um, the uh, story behind this game, uh, I, I believe this we documented in one, I think it was maybe Dreamcatcher did a, did a write-up on our site about this game, or, or the guy that made it, who is a guy named, uh, boy, Jurgen Friedrich, Friedrich, how's that, anyone give that a shot? Well, that's Jurgen Friedrich. Oh, God, boy, Jurgen, I like Jurgen, that sounds yeah, cool. Jurgen. Anyways, this guy apparently is a super genius, and he sat down and did, and did these versions, and then uh, this is the story I've heard that Vector Graphics came along and just bought it and said, "Okay, good job," you know, and, they, and they published it. Um, this guy uh, uh, Jurgen also did, and this will not surprise you, Hard Driving One and Two and Stun Rider, which are all sort of similar. Right, they're sort of a rail shooter type right. deal. And uh, um, I, I've played all these on the Amiga, and they're all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's a story for the time. Uh, this was released in multiple languages. It runs on the OCS. No surprise there, because it's, you know, the time it was out. Uh, and it runs with a mouse or a joystick. Uh, this game got about a million ports, as you can imagine. 
It was on uh, the Amstrad, the, the Mac, Mac Classic, I should say. Atari 2600, 5200, the ST, the Electron, the ColecoVision, blah, 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 PCs, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, there was a million of them. It was released in, in 83, so I did get that right. There was a PC release as well. So what do you do in this game? You play Luke Skywalker. You sit in the hot seat behind the, uh, the controls of, the, of his X-Wing, uh, Red 5, and you go through and try to blow up the Death Star. Uh, in the first level, depending when the game starts up, you, uh, you can pick between three different difficulties, which, again, this stuff pretty much, if I say, if it's in the arcade, it's pretty much in the game for the most part. Uh, you pick your difficulty. Uh, if you pick a higher difficulty, you get more points. Of course, it's harder. And then you take off. First level, you are blowing away TIE Fighters. Uh, pr presumably, this is the approach to the Death Star. You've got to mm -hmm. knock out a bunch of these suckers so you can get in there good and tight. Uh, on the first go-around, you go straight, if you play the beginner level... You go, you go straight from blowing these tie fighters up until, and once you've blown up enough or t enough times elapsed, I'm never quite sure exactly what exactly happens. Uh, you go into the Death Star and it zooms in, and, and something else this game has is digitized sound. He goes, look at the size of that thing, you know, and he zooms in. And then on the when you play beginner, the next level is the trench run. If you'll recall in the movie, Luke has to get out of the trench and shoot his uh, torpedoes into the heart of the ship, into the exhaust port to blow it up, right? Same thing. You're going down this trench, there are fireballs coming at you. Uh, on the first level, that's pretty much all you've got to contend with, and you go down and blow up, blow up the Death Star. Pretty cool stuff. Second level, they add a few things. You've got your uh, uh, starting fight, dogfight, then you go into an area where you have to blow up towers, the tops of these towers, if you'll recall in the movie, where they're zooming across the surface of the Death Star, zigzagging through a bunch of towers and buildings and stuff. You've got to blow the tops of them off. Uh, you've got <laughs> There's the bell. You've got to blow the tops of these towers off. And uh, you have a set amount you need to blow off to, to finish that level. And if you get them all, you'll get a bonus. And then um, you go to the trench. And eventually in the trench, we'll get harder and harder because... In the first level, the trench is just empty. You just fly down and avoid the fireballs, shoot the thing shooting the fireballs if you want, and blow up the Death Star. As it gets harder, you are getting obstacles put in your way, uh, multicolored bars that block their blockages in the tunnel. You've got to sort of avoid them. You can fly over them, you can fly under them. Sometimes you can go to the left or right of them. As you go through the game, uh, these become more and more clogged. These the, the trench does. Making it more difficult to get down and blow up, blow up the uh, the Death Star. Um, after you complete that, you it always starts over the same thing. That from then on, you're going to do the same thing over and over, except they make it harder. Uh, the the dogfight will have more uh, top fighters. They'll shoot faster. The top fighters can shoot more fireballs. They shoot strings of fireballs. Uh, they, there are more blockades in the in the trench, and uh, eventually you just keep playing until you get killed. That's pretty much the long and short of it. What do you think? Well, I, this game is pretty much, <coughs> it's exactly like the arcade game. Mm -hmm. Now, I was not able to play it exactly like the arcade game because I had emulation issues. <laughs> yes, you did. Even when I dialed back the speed of the Amiga on WinUAE to negative 90, um, it still ran too quickly. So I found it to be very difficult. Um, however, I still had a good time. Um, 
Let's take a look at uh, some of the port comparisons. Okay. Okay. I will so, say just just to since we're summing up the Amiga port of this, mm-hmm. uh, there are things that are lacking. We talked about these. Uh, the Amiga port has very little music, and what music it has is very sad renditions of the uh, of the theme from Star Wars. It sounds like I told Boat in the streaming video. It sounds like one lone bassoon sitting in an empty orchestra pit. It's real pathetic. And then in the arcade, when you start the game, that orchestra keeps saying, da-da-da-da. Well, it's, you know, it's electronic music, but it still sounds cool. And you feel like you're really, you know, there's music backing everything you do in the game. When you blow up the Death Star, there's a little tune. In the Amiga version, no tunes. No tunes. No tunes. It's just that one little sad mm-hmm. song that plays during the, during the uh, uh, you know, demo screens. And also, uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, Amiga version does support the mouse, which is, is we just a few weeks ago we said I said I never play anything with the mouse. I was wrong. This is one thing I play with the mouse because it works perfectly for the Amiga. It's an advantage it would have over a lot of other systems having a, a mouse that one uses. It also has a lot of the uh, the digitized sound effects from the arcade. Mm-hmm, the speeches there, which you gotta have it. You know you've gotta have that so that makes it better. So go ahead, Bo. Let's have a look at your thing. Okay. So these are uh, various ports. If you're watching on YouTube, we have the Amiga version, the Arcade version, the Spectrum version, and the BBC Micro version. Um, they all give you the same sort of deal. This, What I thought was interesting about this is this, looking at the ports from the Spectrum and the Micro, it really makes you realize that what the Amiga is doing is not really that special. That like creating wireframe graphics and having them scale, you know, as they come towards you is something that even the BBC Micro manages to do. So that's something that I had uh, an incorrect opinion. I was like, man, only the Amiga could pull this thing off. But that's definitely not the case. Um, What the Amiga does do better than the Micro and the Spectrum is it, uh, your movement uh, is not really shown. Like in the BBC Micro version, you are basically static and you move the crosshair around the screen versus in the Amiga version and of course in the arcade version, when you move the ship, you feel like the ship is moving with you. The, the, the actual graphic of the ship actually slightly moves around. Right, yeah. the, the, the micro and the spectrum versions are more of a, a more of a shooting gallery type experience. It's, yeah, it's almost like a, a Operation Wolf sort of thing. Yeah. You just move your cursor over the thing. Right, but, uh, but overall I think you know all the systems had a, a pretty good port of this game. Um, what do you think, Aaron? Just well, this is the this. first time I've, I've, I'm sitting here looking at the uh, the BBC version, and wow, I mean, you're right. That's pretty. That's pretty solid, you know. And you're, I mean, vectors are uh, vectors are an interesting uh, graphic element when it comes to games that I've never think I never thought they were fully explored to the best of their capabilities. Because look at the BBC Micro here; it it's playing this game pretty darn well, and you could use this sort of uh, graphical element in other games, and I think you can get away with it. I mean, I think people are, at the time especially, were used to the vectors, and uh, and you can, you can make it work. I think maybe that was sort of a missed opportunity. I've always liked the vector graphics, and color vectors even are really awesome, mm-hmm. you know. So, And now we're looking at, the, I'm looking at the ZX Spectrum, and you know, it looks considerably slower than the BBC Micro, mm-hmm. and it, it also is doing the same sort of thing, which it's sort of a shooting gallery type thing, the... Uh, the X Wing looks better, but it's not—it's not actually moving around. I mean, you're, you're right. The, the uh, effect on all these is pretty similar. 
but the Amiga version is to, uh, of of the three that we're looking at here. This is, it is clearly this the best you know non arcade right. version, and it, it's uh, they did a great job. It's very similar to the to the arcade version. It, it is a it is a shame that they didn't bother to fool with the music too much, you know. But at least they put the sound effects in. Something else you can do that I should mention in case people ask is you can use the force, uh, which I try to use at least in the first couple levels. You know what the, you know what I'm talking about? No, I've never tried to do this. Before. If you go down the trench and don't shoot, mm-hmm. you're using the force. Mm. And so if you get to the end and only shoot, all you do is shoot in the torpedo or shoot in the exhaust port, you get a bone, a force bonus. Oh, yeah. So cool. that, that's the level you could do that with, which I always thought that was kind of cool because you know Obi Wan says use the force at the beginning. He's not kidding. I always thought that was neat that they put that in there. So. Yeah. Um, how did this game review? Uh, it did. It did pretty well. Um, the, uh, of course, it got reviewed by about a million things. Although some places didn't like it. You're looking at uh, Amiga Computing gave it a seventy percent. Uh, Amiga UI gave it an eight out of ten. Uh, CU gave it a seven out of ten, and uh, your Amiga gave it seventy four. So those are actually kind of. Not that great. You know, I would rate this much higher. And and, and the reason I say that is it's a lot like Golden Axe. Like, look at where it came from, mm-hmm. how, how well is the port, and how beloved is the game. This, I mean, I guess maybe people got tired of it. Maybe they think there was enough stuff to do. But, I mean, it does exactly what the box says. And it's very seldom that that happens. Right. The box says this is the arcade game you play. And it is. I mean, it's got pretty much, with the exception of the music, it's got pretty much all the elements of the arcade down very well. So, in my opinion, I would say 8 out of 10 would be a minimum score. I, 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 think, this is a, I think this is a really, real, probably one of the best coin-op conversions on the Amiga. If not, maybe the. Okay. I mean, I, what, what did you think of it? And, of course, you don't have the history with this game now, do you? What yeah. did you think of it? What did you think of the game in general? I think, you know, anytime that you can have an, an arcade conversion this exact on the Amiga minus the sound, I think it's worthwhile. Now, I mean, like, maybe the reviews were coming at it from the point of, should I buy this or should I buy a new game? That's true, because this, this would have came out in the Amiga, like I said, five years after the arcade version. Mm-hmm. So, so, and of course, maybe the, you know Vector may, had fallen out of style for sure, right? So. And I, so I can understand the, the lower scores. I don't know if I would rate it in the seventies, but uh, but yeah. To, now, this is the kind of game that I love because it's mindless blasting and it looks pretty. I love color vector graphics. I love vector graphics in general. Yeah, they're always great. Yeah, and so um, I would have re- reviewed it higher myself. Something else we should mention. And I mentioned this on the stream is that one of the best aspects of this you can do this in the arcade too is when the and this is just a little thing, but when the when the tie fighters are all retreating back to the Death Star, you can still shoot them. And what's great is when you've is when you've got Darth Vader in your sights, you can just ring him up, mm-hmm. and it's very satisfying because you know he's driving that cool looking tie fighter. Right. You just ring him up <laughs> over and over and over. Yeah, you, you can't, can't destroy actually destroy him. him. Yeah. But it's fun to pummel him. You know. <laughs> so I, I think that's fun. But overall, like I said, I think this is a very strong game and a, and a, and a strong film, obviously as well. All right, let's talk about Empire. Empire. So, Empire came out in the uh, theater in 1980. Uh, again, I saw it probably that same year, or certainly uh, within you know within a, within a year of its release. Now, it's funny because Chad is here. He just he just came in, and Chad has a pretty interesting story about what happened when we went to see Empire. Uh, right? Was it Empire when we went to see the special edition in the theater? Um, <clears throat> Empire. Well. This is where you lost your ticket. Oh, that and was actually it was actually New Hope. Oh well, never mind. Don't tell the story. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it was 
it, it was one of those two. Okay, but anyway, so uh, Chad, Chad was it was in a panic, and I was in a panic empathetically for Chad also because we waited in line. I don't know if you saw the special editions in the theater, but around here there were there were huge crowds. There were long lines because there had been so long since any you know anything yep. had happened. So we, went, we went to uh, New Hope at the Cinema Seven, I think that's in Charleston, like downtown Charleston. Yeah, with like the large like stadium. Which those that's the only time that I've ever been to that theater is when uh, I saw those movies. Uh, and then we saw the um, Empire in the theater that was. Uh, it's now the uh, West Virginia DEP building in like, like location. <laughs> so, yeah, in Kanawha City. Um, yeah, I, I don't... I do remember losing the ticket, but I don't remember which one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I remember you were you were not having a good time. No, I mean, I think I think obviously I found it. Yeah, you found it. It was like it was in the the lining of your coat or yeah. something like that. So. Oh, that's bad luck. Yeah. yeah. All right. So so Empire uh, again. It was the movie was out in eighty. Uh, it came out on the Amiga in the same year as as the other one, eighty eight. So, which I thought was, in, in fact, all these sort of pretty much came out at the same time. Um, so, again, uh, this is a uh, single disc uh, release. Again, Domark did it worldwide, and uh, Vector Graphics did it, uh, did the game. Now, there has been some speculations that the same guy that, that they used, the same uh, engine or whatnot, or this, a lot of the same material from the first game to make this one uh, from, the original, from the original fella that did it. Uh, so, but I can't confirm that. I'm pretty sure Dreamcatcher wrote an article about this. So if you look through our page, you'll probably turn something up. Um, so again, this this was a uh, OCS game. It's a another color vector game. Now this one's a this is an interesting game, and uh, obviously Empire was an awesome movie. <clears throat> um, so. Atari was looking to capitalize. This is the story I've heard anyway. Atari's looking to capitalize on the fact that they'd sold a ton of these Star Wars cabinets, and so they put out a conversion kit for it, uh, uh, and it was Empire Strikes Back, which is why this is another um, color vector game. Uh, the uh, game, uh, keep in mind that we had a lot of arcades around here. I have never seen this one in the arcade. I had to go watch a film to or a you know, video on YouTube just to see what... If it, how closely the Amiga got mm-hmm. it. Um, this must not have been very popular. And you, and you told me you'd never seen never. it in, in the arcade either. So, what do you do in this game? Well, in this one, you... Who would you say you play the part of? I'm not 100%. You multiple parts. Yeah, you're playing multiple so, parts. And the first version of this, if you and this is going to require a certain amount of backstory. If you'll recall in, in Empire Strikes Back... The Empire sent out like droids all over the universe to try to find the rebels, and they had sent one to Hoth, and it was a little, uh, it was a little like crabby uh, looking or what was octopus looking mm-hmm. droid that would that was supposed to look for life, and if it found anything that was looked like a rebel base, it would send back a signal. All right, with this loose premise in mind, <laughs> we come to the first screen of this. In the first screen of this, you play, and I'm guessing you're in a in a, in a snow speeder mm-hmm. in the game. You don't really. This is not a well-defined ship in this game. You just have two little like gun turrets that stick out the bottom of the screen, and, and for most of the levels, and so uh, you were supposed to go around and blow up these uh, transmission droids before they can transmit your location. All right. 
So this difference in the movie and the fact that there's multiple droids, just like a ton of them, that, that you could uh, try to stop them. And in the game, you can't stop them, but you can try to, I guess you can only hope to contain them, as the saying goes. And so you drive around, and these things will, as you see them, you can shoot them, and occasionally they will shoot up like a a, a wave. That, I mean, how would you describe what that it's is? Like like, a, it's like a transmission, like a physical right. representation. That's of right. And so if and when they send out four of these, that round ends. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're going around and shooting as much of the stuff as you yeah. can. So unlike the movie where there's one of these things, there's hundreds of these things yeah. in the in the game. And also unlike the movie where you, snow speeders didn't blow them up. Yeah, they I just, believe it was Chewie and Han blew them up, right. but in this snow speed, just blow them up. Um, and I, again, who's driving these snow speeders? Who knows? So you this are is sort of player. this is sort of a uh, weird. And all plus, you of course Hoth is an ice planet. Well, who is that person that whenever they they don't have a, a, a character for something, they always say it's like Wedge Antilles or something like that. <laughs> well, isn't it Dak that got killed? Dak, yeah. So so let's pretend it's Dak because Dak needs some redemption for his pathetic. <laughs> Pathetic display. So anyway, that first level, you're blowing up these guys. Now, you're on a, a stark, desolate screen to do this. I mean, what I mean, I mean, it looks, it looks like you're in space. There's no way that this thing can really it, it looks accurately like, portray that you're in snow. Right. It looks like a vector game, and that means that you have to have a black background. Yeah, this is, where, no the, this is where vector sort of hoes you mm-hmm. in this game. And so, once, and we should also mention that you can spell Jedi... But with certain shots in the game, and when you get Jedi, I believe it gives you uh, extra man. Uh, the uh, you don't. Really, it's funny. You, 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 it, the big word Jedi comes up, and it fills in a letter. It's mm-hmm. sort of like it's sort of like a Mister Do or something. Right. You're extra, that, mm-hmm. but it, it's much less of a, an event when you do it. <laughs> so once once this level is completed, and these things have sent up the little transmissions. Uh, uh, you'll see a cool kind of a, a zoom in on like I guess what's supposed to be a uh, a recreation of the rebel base inside this mountain, which is, it looks pretty good. Mm. And we speculated in the in the uh, or we thought in the in the uh, when we did the playthrough that this would have been an awesome thing to have in the background of the whole level, so it wouldn't look like you just didn't run around in space, right? Uh, but that, that's just the way it is. So once you get off that level, you move into like the next phase of the game. The next phase of the game is the classic scene. In Empire, where the uh, rebels try to beat back the uh, approaching ATSTs and ATAT, the ADATs, and you are, are in your your snow speeder. What is the correct pronunciation? Is it ATAT or is it ATAT? It's well, it, I always we've called them both because if you say ADAT, then you're trying to describe the two-legged ones, which I believe are the ATSTs. Mm-hmm. You can't call them the ATSTA. That true. sounds like crap. So you say. <laughs> So you can either say ATAT or you can say ADAT, and but anyway it goes, you're saying ATST. You got no choice on That's that. That's true. And when we say this, in case you live under a rock, the ADATs are these big, huge robots that are probably ten stories tall, and they look like camels, basically, like big robotic camels. They kind of loaf over the, the snow. The least efficient way to traverse That's a snow right. planet. <laughs> and then you've got the half version of those with the ATST, which is like if you took the big ones, just cut the tail end of them off and shrank them about five stories. I, they, um, they, lo- they lumber around. I had heard that the um, the nickname for the ATSTs were uh, Chicken Walkers. Chicken Walker. That, yeah. that, that, would, that would work. Especially in the third movie. They really were more chickeny. Yeah. So, in this second level, and which is probably the best level of this game, I would say, when you vote. The second level is the only good level. Yeah, so you, in this one, you, you drive your AT-ATs, or you drive your, excuse me, your snow speeder around, which is your spaceship, and you are trying to shoot these ATSTs and the ATATs. Well, there are two ways to blow these things up. 
At one is you can shoot them in the little visor hole that's red on the screen. Mm-hmm. Which this reminds me of the old if you ever played the uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred version of Star Wars, where you, did you ever play that where they add that smart across the screen? There's a little tiny weak spot behind mm-hmm. their neck, yeah, and you can shoot them. That's the only way you can kill them. Mm-hmm. And it made me mad there too because in the movie you're not just shooting these things in a little tiny spot. I mean, these no. things are tanks. And so your other option, which is in the game, is to fire uh, um, tow these, cable. these tow cables, which in the game they're more like two boomerangs with a st- string between them. <laughs> yeah. That's what they look like. But the, with, the, I, with, with the thought of it, you're going to trip these things, which happened in the movie. They, you'd wrap their legs up, and in a hilarious bit, they would fall mm-hmm. over, which is always funny. And you can shoot them, but in the game, they just go away when you shoot them. I think one, like when it hits the ground, it just explodes on its own in the movie. I yeah, think, so. uh, yeah. But uh, and the, and you you can use the tow cables on the on the STs too. That works on both. But you've only got a you limited, limited number. amount. Yeah. So this, basically, you just fly around doing that. That's that's the level. You can also fly under the AT ATs to get a, a bonus. Um, and but I mean that's pretty much it. There's not much left to say about that level. What are your thoughts? I. I don't like I, I don't dislike this game as much as I think you do. Um, I like the I think that shooting the the tow cables and watching the things tumble down is more satisfying than anything you do in the first game. It is satisfying. Don't get me wrong. I mean, blowing up the Death Star is cool, but you're really just firing another shot. With this, you're you're firing a secondary weapon, and that, that in the way that it comes out and you see it wrap around and you see the guys tumble down, I think that's really that's really. I, I agree with a but, and which I'll get to later, but yes, that this that level was great. So, eventually, you move off planet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're back into space for the third wave, and, and the third screen is just a wave of Tie Fighters. Basically, pretend that you're playing the first game. And replace the Death Star with a Star Destroyer, which is looks like a ship shaped like a big Dorito. <laughs> so in this game, you just shoot a crap. In this in this level, you shoot a crap load of Tie Fighters. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Uh, I mean, they're, it's exactly the same. They look great. They play just like it's the first. It's too bad one. there wasn't like another sort of trench runish type thing you could do with the Star which, Destroyer. Which we'll get into that. And, and then, and then uh, finally on the and this is the crummiest level in my opinion is the. Last level, which you're, in, and we should mention that you're in the Millennium Falcon for the top part of the zone. Mm-hmm. So your ship changes shape from the two little gun turrets to a, a, the front end of the Millennium Falcon, and it looks like the Millennium Falcon uh, has been uh, <laughs> they've they've pimped their ride. It looks like it's portrayed with these blue and red neon. It looks. <laughs> It's well, a, I mean, all the ships have blue and red neon. It yeah, just but looks, I mean, it's, 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 it's really it's, bizarre yeah. for reason on, the, on that one. So the last level. You're in a Millennium Falcon. It's the classic, uh, sort of was in the movie, like asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. Now, if you'll recall in the movie, there are some incredible scenes where the Millennium Falcon definitely uh, maneuvers to these asteroids, and it's it's turning like this, and it's barely getting through. It's mm-hmm. freaking awesome. In this game, it looks like uh, a huge Darth Vader is pelting you with snowballs from afar. <laughs> they, these, are, these are perfectly round. Uh, asteroids that are flung towards you in mass, mm-hmm. and you just basically you can't shoot them. You got to just move out of the way of right. them. That's that. You just avoid them. Yeah, it's lame. And then it's over. Then you start all the way back to the beginning. You uh, and that's the game. Now you were saying I didn't like this game as much as the first one, and you're right. But it's the, we read an, we found an article in Retro Gamer where they interviewed the guy that made these games. 
And he was talking about how much trouble he had making this one because unlike Star Wars where you have these various scenes there are are that lend themselves to the game, Empire, and I hadn't thought about this until I read the article, Empire doesn't really lend itself to that. Uh, with the exception of the stuff on Hoth, really there's nothing else that you could, in a ship that really translates well. Plus, where Star Wars had the ultra ending with the blowing up the Death Star was awesome. The mm-hmm. ending of Empire is a depressing thing that doesn't involve spaceships and there's no way you could, what are you going to do? You're right. boned. Right. So Empire was hamstring right out of the gate. Um, that much said, I thought the Amiga version, having looked at the arcade version, much like the first one, it's pretty much dead on. Mm-hmm. So again, if you're going to go by, uh, if you're going to go by a game's uh, ability to come home, this one came home well. They also improved the music, uh, was better. Uh, the graphics were just as good, and it was it was it had more content ish. You know, it, it's got more screens. To yeah. be fair. Uh, so uh, overall, I think it's a pretty good attempt. I mean, it's a great attempt at the arcade, which was flawed by default. Mm-hmm. And your your thoughts? I think I like this one more. Honestly, um, I, I, I like. I think it's got more variety. There's more to do. Uh, the only bad thing is that you don't get to blow up the Death Star. If you could somehow just shoehorn, what they should have done was just just thrown cannon to the wind and just put the trench run in this game too. Well, it, it, well I was thinking. It's funny you mentioned. I was thinking about uh, Summer Games, all right, where they took the Summer Games too, and you could integrate them. Mm-hmm. If you could somehow do that to these games, then you got something. Yeah. And you're right. You'd have to be out of order. And that's sort of what they did much, much later in the arcades when they brought out the Star Wars arcade game and took the best scenes from all three movies. And, yeah. Uh, and, of course, it wasn't a vector game. No, but, uh, no, it was not. I, I never liked that game. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. But, I mean, it, and I'm looking at these now. We're both got us comparison videos up. And this one is, the BBC Micro's not moving at a brisk pace no, no. Uh, in this one. And, and this one, it looks like the Spectrum version's got a, got a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a faster moving uh, gameplay environment. And it actually looks a little bit better, too. The ship colors are more accurate. Yeah. This might have been a, a lazy port on the, port of, on the part of the BBC Micro. Yeah, it is odd that this one mm-hmm. is running so much more crummy uh, than, than, than the, the first one we watched. But, again, the Amiga version, if you... If you compare it to the arcade, I mean, it's very, very favorable, uh, and they they did a good job. They did a good job of converting it. And of course, uh, we should mention that much like the original uh, vector game, you can choose your difficulty level. There's even a thing that shows you the instructions. Uh, so that's that's all pretty cool. But I mean, it's it's pretty much dead on, I mm-hmm. think. So, mm-hmm. well, um, how did this game review? Let's have a quick look. Let me consult the chart of fun. This one reviewed about. Let me see here. So we've got um, 5 out of 10 from Amiga UI, 84% for Generation 4, and uh, your Amiga, 84, Zap, 82. So actually... It reviewed a little bit better. It did. It did review a little bit better. Again, it was this would have been a newer game. And I will say one thing about this game. Ponder this, if you will. This is a game on all platforms that got played way more at home than it ever did in the arcade. Mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you that this had a very, very limited release. Something you got to consider about the arcade version of Star Wars, as great as it was, it came out in in '83, and this would have came out a couple years later. And those color vector arcade machines were notoriously finicky. Uh, the uh, if you if you have ever played Tempest, is another game 
that that has a color vector gain, and they, these things tend to bolt to break. And when a when a color vector breaks, it'll often catch fire. It'll be I mean, these things they don't just sort of break. I mean, they break. Mm-hmm. You know, so this game probably saw more. This was probably a fresher game at home because it, it had been so rare in the arcade. Right. And so that could have played in a part of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's a fresher item on the menu. Plus, it wouldn't have been as old in 88. That's true. So, I don't know if that made a difference, but who knows. All right. Well, we move on to the final game of the series, Return of the Jedi. Ooh, now, this game... <laughs> this is a different, a horse of a different color. It is. It is. Um, so, this one, again, this one was released in 88. Um, the movie that this is based on, of course, is... Jedi, uh, or Return of the Jedi, which was uh, came out in 83. Okay, so now we're in 83 when the movie comes out. Now, by then, uh, the Star Wars people knew, knew about uh, merchandising. They knew about... So this game was probably in the makings pretty early on, I would say. So I don't know exactly what year this got released in the arcade, but I would wager it got released... Pretty soon after the movie. Yeah, I think this is the only one that managed to... Well, no, because Jedi came out in 83, right? That's right. And so this had to have come out much later. Than I mean, I'm talking the arcade. It would have came out in probably 84, 84. No. Well, I would, I would wager this one was in production earlier, to be honest with you. I'll have to look that into that. I think this this looks like this looks like 87. This is on Atari System... Two hardware. Yeah, I'm going to take a guess. Uh, Chad's looking is, it up now. Gonna, I believe this is on the same hardware as Marble Madness. Yeah, and and and, uh, and uh, Paperboy. And, it's and, that it's that system system well, no, one. I thought this. Was, I think it's a system two. And the reason I say this is I had I had a Marble Ma- I had a Marble Madness. I mean, it's not true. I had a Road Blaster. I wish eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Wow, and so okay. so, but this I remember this was a conversion kit for that Atari board. Whichever it was, either System One or System Two. I don't remember which one. So again, this is on the Amiga eighty eight. Just just to make sure, this is the one that was like I said, developers are Atari and Ting Tingen. Tingen, that yeah. one, yeah, that was okay. It. Right, yeah. 89. So, um, <laughs> this is a game that it came out like I said eighty eight OCS. Now this one for for forgone the the vector and went straight for uh, just. Straight up graphics, vector gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is straight up raster. They went for a the Zaxani look, mm-hmm. right? Which is a how would you describe this boat? I know. This well, one. it says you know, that it's known as the three quarter isometric. Three quarter, very fancy. Three quarter isometric view. Uh, another one that was released. This is pretty much all these are pretty much released on the same stuff. Amstrad, uh, Atari ST, BBC Micro, C sixty four, ZX Spectrum. So. Um, in this game, you, you again, this is a game that has multiple levels. In the first one, I guess, I, I'm not sure if you're supposed to be Lee or Luke, uh, but it's taken from the, uh, uh, from the, from the, uh, Dega, was, no, the, uh, uh, what's the name of this planet? Help me out here. Uh, Endor. You are Endor, the, the forest moon of Endor, and you ride your, uh, your speeder through the woods, mm-hmm. trying to avoid, uh, stormtroopers who also are on speeders, all right? Speeders are like... Hovering motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, if you'll recall this scene in the, in the movie, uh, and we didn't even go into the fact of the actual our cinematic uh, visits on this one. By the time this came out, I was really into it. I couldn't wait to see it. I know I saw this one. I'm almost ever since I saw this one in St. Albans as well. And I remember liking it, but I remember thinking the best parts by far were the beginning where they sprang Han, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Love that. And the bit with Darth 
uh, and Luke and the Emperor, mm-hmm. right? The stuff on the forest moon of Endor seemed silly to me. And I remember as a kid being offended that these stupid teddy bears could fight the freaking stormtroopers and win. You, they you, were winning. You weren't impressed with this, the with this, with the speeder scenes on Endor? I thought they looked cool, but I remember, and we talked about this earlier, I was like, why would you ever do this? This is a lot like the ad ads. <laughs> it's like, can't you just fly over the trees to get right. there? <laughs> no, you gotta, you have to fly through. <laughs> to me, this was like, if the uh, it's, it's like shore leave for the for the stormtroopers. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. Like, you know, hey guys, you've been fighting out in space. Take a couple weeks, get you a motorbike, go out in the woods. <laughs> You know, have a good time. The um, the one thing in the movie that I always thought was a bit like perplexing is why is Lando wearing Han's clothes when he's flying the Millennium Falcon? That was strange. He had the vest and everything. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's the official Millennium Falcon when outfit. When you're captaining the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I I liked the movie, but as the years went on, I liked it not as much. Then when I heard that the original script or whatever said that that was going to be a Wookiee plan. I was really put off because that... That would have been my And uh, then I saw the Christmas special. <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe they did the right thing. That's the first time I was like, okay, we don't need a plan for all these Wookiees. I don't need... We don't need that. So, um, but anyway, so the game, you in the first level, you fly through the woods on this motorcycle or hover and you and you and along the way, Ewoks, which are the little teddy bear guys in the movie, they have some traps set up and if you lure... Your uh, the your pursuers into them. The Ewoks will kind of help you out. Uh, you could bang your uh, you could bang the other guys' bikes into the off the screen and blow them up. You could bang them into trees and blow them up. Uh, it's a it's it's in. What do you think? Well, it's very <laughs> difficult. Um, yes. the controls were, were pretty twitchy, and you're moving at a pretty good clip. And there's no second chances, just like on a real snow spe- or a real land speeder. <laughs> Uh, bike, bike, speeder bike. You know, if you if you crash, it's 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 all over. Um, that said, I don't you know I don't hate it. Um, I I feel like you could get good at it if you practiced at it. It didn't seem unfair, um, and it, it it did seem long, but maybe not too long. What really irked me is that when I finally made it past that stage and went on to the second stage, which you're in uh, the Millennium Falcon. When you die on that stage, you have to go back and complete the speeder bike part again. I thought that was a little unfair. Well, there's this. This is a lot like the first game, where you sort of like when you go through the second time, they add a level mm-hmm. basically to it. Uh, but so yeah, you know, in the arcade, I, I've never gotten past the tree level. I mean, in the arcade, this thing was like death. Mm-hmm. I could not get anywhere on this game. Yeah, and if you're playing a quarter a pop, then oh you man, know. I just, it, this is of the three. Of course, mm-hmm. I never saw Empire, but. This one, I was just, I did, we that they had it, they were out there. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what this reminds me of too, especially in the um, in the ATST level, is one of the Wings mini games where you have that same sort of perspective as you're flying up on the road. Oh yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. strafing, the mm-hmm. strafing at parts. So, <coughs> so like Boat said, that once you get to, once you complete the 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 bike stage, and I should mention that the sound effects in the bike stage are amusing. Uh, Bo compared this to bump and jump without the with jump, mm-hmm. and what I compared it to something which is, it was a far better comparison. But now I'm so feeble minded that Spy Hunter was Spy Hunter. That's right. Uh, but w- there's this awesome noise when you hit these guys, and it's like a ju- it's like straight up a junk car. It's like it's, just, it's a pretty amusing, pretty amusing noise. So I'll give them the noise. But when you complete this level, you get to go to the uh, stupid Ewok Tree Village. 
I don't know if that place had a name. It was called the Stupid Ewok. You know, really. they did have that awesome song, yub, 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 but didn't have you know not featured. But remember the remember the yub yub song. Yeah. Um, I think they took that out of one of the later special editions. I think I heard that. I was appalled. That was the only thing about the Ewok book. It was pretty good. <laughs> so, anyway, you complete this level, then you kind of, you know, depending on what difficulty you go to, we'll just go ahead and do these in order. So, the next level is the, you get to pilot an, uh, almost an Atari ST. That's bad, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, an ATST. And you, as you're marching up to the woods, like mowing suckers down. And basically, that's not true. You're basically avoiding wood. As stupid as that sounds, mm-hmm. and it is yeah. stupid. Uh, uh, it's a dumb level. Apparently, the stormtroopers have been out and they've been chopping trees. You know, mm-hmm. like lumberjacks. That's another thing they did on their R and R. They went out and chopped trees down. And so you occasionally see a pile of trees. Sometimes trees will roll at mm-hmm. you that you can shoot. Yeah, a lot of trees. And then while you're doing this, it will flash to like a space scene where you've got. And I never got this far. So I had to I had to watch many a video. And I was like, "Is this the way it's supposed to look? Is this the way it's supposed to?" Look? And you, it's the Millennium Falcon, and, and flanked by a couple of buddies, and they'll be they're making their run on the Death Star. Now, if you'll recall in the movie, um, uh, you the, Han and the and the boys were taking out the shield on Endor. So once the shield was down, then the Death Star would be vulnerable again, mm-hmm. and you can go in and blow it up. So. It's simultaneous action. It's finest. So while you're lumbering up a, a, a lumberjack trail, your buddies are up there fighting these guys. And the, from what I saw, the fighting part's pretty. That part is pretty quick. It just it's just like a few seconds of fighting, and, it's, and it goes back. Mm-hmm. I, did you get that far when no, you played it? Gosh, no, I only saw it on the playthrough. And I'm like I said, I never got anywhere near this near arcade. So once you get your ATST to the to the bunker from the movie, and you see Han there. Sorta, of, and he kind of waddles off and, and blows it up. <laughs> then you're good to go with the Millennium Falcon phase, and and I did get to see Boat play the Millennium Falcon phase. I that one I have played because, like I said, if you depend on what difficulty you pick, and the Millennium Falcon again, you play Londo now. We've switched. We've switched characters. You have weird now. ways of pronouncing these names. Londo, Leah. How do you pronounce it? Lando and Leia. Like they're supposed to be. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what it is. I, I'm a mystery. I'm a I'm a big uh, Babylon Five fan, and there's a guy in there named Blondo Malari. Mm. So it's Blando. Is, is he played by Billy D. Williams? No, mm. no, he's not. He's, made, he's played by Peter Jurassic, and he's a white guy with big huge hair. Mm. But uh, Billy D. is smooth. Cold Forty Five smooth. I saw him in person one time. Really? Yeah. Where were you at? In D.C. I, I was went, he at a bar? No, I, I wish I was at a jazz concert, and he he came out to give sort of the address before the concert. Did he get started. a big ovation? Oh yeah. You know, my, my old boss said he ran into him at a club in um, uh, down in Louisville. Really? And he was the he was the King Dong. Well, I mean, I it's mean, just, they said he got up on stage and I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, hey, everyone, this is Billy D. You know, this, he's smooth. He man. He's freaking smooth. So, anyway, you get to be Billy D. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good to me, man. You, so you go, and this level, I want to ask you about the first one. Look at the color of these houses. Yeah, that's, um, they could have done more in the Amiga version. No kidding. Sure. Let me ask you, the, the color of the Death Star stage, that is a weird, <laughs> is it just me or is that some weird color? I was trying to think about what it reminded me of. It's some sort of like... Um, it's, it's very strange. Yeah, it's all it's red blue and blue. And, yeah. yeah, and it's neon. Yeah. It's it's not at all like. Why can't the, we get the Millennium Falcon from the last game? Yeah. Get in this would be perfect color. So I guess what they wanted to do is really set the background apart so you could see where the Millennium Falcon was. But yeah, it's really strange. It's really, it odd. is. It's very odd. Uh, but you fly the Millennium Falcon, and apparently the 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 second Death Star is made solely of pipes. 
Because that's what you look like. You're flying over just wave after wave of these blue and just, red pipes. Just nothing but pipes all and, the time. And, and they're in your way. Yeah, they're, they're in your way, way and you're going You're going it's, in. It's a Ninja Turtle uh, level of, uh, of Death Star. Yeah. Just sewer pipes. Yeah, it's all yeah. sewer pipes. And so you, but you fly through these pipes and, and some various close calls to get to the reactor. And this one, you have to blow up the reactor. Now, two things can happen at this point, as Boat demonstrated so deftly. Firstly, you can uh, you can blow up the reactor, the, and then you have to leave, which I thought that was interesting. But then secondly, you can not blow up the reactor, and the Millennium Falcon just hits the back wall, and you die and start over on the on your motorbike. You go all the way back. So, and that's what Boat did. But you can, but if you blow up the reactor, then you you're uh, much like the movie. Then the Millennium Falcon has a turns completely around, and you have to beat. You have to beat feet out of there, and the fire from the reactors right on your hind, mm-hmm. just like in the movie. So and again, this is this is the same thing that we, it's, it seems like every week. They've included a, an, a wonderful amount of content in this game, but they've made the game so hard that it's really difficult to see all of the content. I'm glad that you had trouble because I felt like a jerk. I mean, I did get further in this than I did in the arcade, but I didn't. Do, I didn't get that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know. This game didn't make the leap out of vector very well. I mean, the grab. I mean, the thing is, this game. If you if just by looking at the game, you think to yourself, "This is okay." I mean, it's the Amiga. Uh, it it does this sort of gaming okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it could. In fact, it could do it better. But the controls, the way it plays, are just they're just tough. You know, it's tough. Plus, yeah, it's I, got that other thing where you, stuff comes right up on you, and it's hard to not get killed because you're right near the right. you know. The rea- I don't maybe at my old guy reaction time I just can't cut it. But I, I had trouble on this screen. I, like I said, the wood screen I couldn't get past. I don't feel bad about that though because I had trouble in the arcade. But I did get further on this one than I used to. But still, same thing. And, and really, if you think about it, now that I'm looking at this, this screen is exactly like the uh, <laughs> the speed the uh, the motorcycle screen, just with different pictures mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, it's the same you know, perspective a- and everything. So. <laughs> I like how he just flips it in reverse <laughs> when he hits that react. He just turns that sucker around. Head for home, feature you know? of the, it's a zero-turn Millennium Falcon. Let's take a look at some of the uh, the comparisons here. This is probably uh, one that has the, the most sort of uh, difference in the, in the graphics. Um, the ZX Spectrum version obviously suffers from a lack of color. Um, it's it's your, your yellow all the way through in both the speeder bike and the background. Uh, I didn't um, the the uh, the BBC micro version actually was pretty similar to the uh, the Amiga version. So instead we looked at we're looking at the Amstrad version, the CPC. You know, I'm looking at the ZX Spectrum version here. And you do get it's, it's moved at a pace that's more comfortable for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's actually that it doesn't look too bad. I mean, all things considered. Yeah, and the, the, and the uh, actually the Amstrad version, I think in some ways it's a little bit more colorful than the Amiga version. It looks like instead um, of the woods, you're you're driving through a rose garden. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got a little bit of pastoral ness to it. Both versions are way, way slower, though, yeah, and that, yeah. that, that's a fact. I mean, that arcade version, when you look at how fast that arcade version's moving, I mean, it's moving faster than the Amiga version, It's real. Sure. The, I mean, the arcade, I remember when, I remember thinking, wow, this is an option for my machine, but I'm not getting this. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and uh, what's interesting is look at the arcade version of the uh, the Millennium Falcon level there. It looks totally different. Like they could have easily just done that on the Amiga and not made it look so bad. It actually looks kind of crummy. The arcade version, I'm not sure it looks better than the Amiga. It well, looks, the, the colors are a little bit less garish, but it the, looks the, like the, a, the detail on the Falcon is not as good. It's further. The sprites are smaller. Yeah. Um, but you know, if if you're a fan of I like I am, like the TG16 bonk, maybe this is right up your alley. <laughs> I will say this: this game uh, is universally panned. I mean, I mean, almost everyone I've ever talked to about it don't like it. Look at the red coming up on the... Uh... I see it there. <laughs> the... <laughs> that looks like Doom. Yeah. Uh, but uh, th- of, of these three games... Nobody has, any nobody good has anything good to say about this. Uh, the reviews are, are not, not a ton of reviews, but let me... You're looking at uh, Amiga computed 63%, although CU Amiga, which are, they're all over the map. That's that place, but they, they gave it a 78. They liked it pretty good. Um, the one gave it a 66 and again, they're up and down. Uh, but overall, uh, of the three games, this was my least favorite. Me too. Uh, no doubt about it. And the thing is, it could have been good. That's what you're The arcade version could have been good. I could see where they were going. But I mean, this came well after, say, Zaxxon. Mm-hmm. And you're going for that sort of same sort of thing. Zaxxon was did it way better. Well, Zaxxon had a 3D element where you, you, were, you were controlling your... Um, you know, you're controlling your altitude as well as your, right, your direction. Right, right. I mean, you, but you could have taken the altitude. Uh, that's one thing I didn't like about Zaxxon. But, I mean, you needed that for the space. Mm-hmm. Stuff, right? The sparks in space, I hated it. But one thing I should mention, I did look all these up on eBay in case anyone's interested um, before we shut it down. Uh, the uh, the original game, good luck. Um, <coughs> I found one in the U.S., I found three in the U.S. that are for sale. Once, uh, one was uh, going for $25 shipped, wasn't over. One was going for $97 shipped, wasn't over. And one guy was asking 183 bucks or best offer. That's a pretty wide range. Uh, and I looked up the history of this. The only ones I really saw were the, uh, a, German, uh, a German version uh, sold for $25. Bucks. Uh, and there was a, there was a uh, someone just sold just the disc for 2 bucks. So that's that's one you might better find now. Empire, and by the way, we should mention that these were released as a compilation. Um, uh, it was basically the Star Wars trilogy compilation, uh, which I did not see. It was called the Star Wars trilogy compilation. So there you go. Um, let me see here. So eBay on Empire, much rarer. Uh, I found one guy selling just the disc in the UK. Thirteen bucks. That was all I found. So that's I don't know if that means exactly. I mean, right. So I'm assuming a lot of these would. would I mean, I was wondering if they even sold these out of the compilation for a little while, but they must have. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, well, yeah, because there's separate boxes for all. of Finally, them. the uh, Jedi. Uh, a, there's a fellow in Canada selling one for forty-seven dollars or best on or best offer boxed, and that's the only one that was currently up that I saw at the time. Uh, this has sold recently for twenty-two bucks. Oh, oh uh, you should know that's forty-seven Canadian, so it's thirty-four dollars. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well, you never know what the way our economy's going. It could be any money. So, how much do you think a mint on card Jawa figure seventy-seven Kenner would go for? I oh, have, I know that one. I don't know. Okay, Chad, well, I what used you, to know. I should say. Well, what, what's your guess? Because one just sold on here. Uh, six grand. $250. Really? Yeah. This is 1977 Kenner Star Wars Java Mint on 12-back card. Oh, you know, I thought you were talking about a vinyl, vinyl, vinyl uh, Java. Oh. 
That one's probably about that much. Maybe. Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. Those When those action figures first came out, I remember this. I mean, very first batch. And you could, and I remember they had a deal that if you took, if you sent in so many proofs of purchase, I believe the first guy you could get was like Hammerhead, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I also remember, I think it was... Uh, Snagglesheath. There was another one. It may have been saying, and there was another one. Remember that the stupid boxy robot droid that was in this Jawas speeder, the Jawas sand crawler, uh, had that kind of rough feet. It was a little box. I think it fell over in the in the in the bowels of that thing. That thing was nothing you could sit away for. And I, and my buddies rented those, but you know I was there. I mean I had like a, I had a I had a uh, I had a snow speeder. All those were cool. And I remember rigging up stuff in my yard to make it fly with the kite string and mm-hmm. stuff. But I was never really a big action figure guy. I was more into like Battlestar Galactica guys. My buddy had this because they shot. They would shoot stuff. The Star Wars guys didn't shoot anything. How uh, how did you rig up a snow speeder to fly with kite string? Well, I, I, I hung some kite string in my backyard between some trees. And then I rigged hooks on the top of my snow speeder. Oh, and just <laughs> I thought but, like you just attached some kite string and you just started like spinning it yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so a vinyl cape Jawa. I said six thousand, mm-hmm. sixty four hundred. Wow, people are insane. Yeah. That, now that's for a graded one, but yeah. Now speaking of buying things that you don't need, if you are in the market for some new clothing, why not check out? Everything Amiga's Amiga T-shirt store. If you scroll down to the Clothe Yourself link and click on Amiga Tees, you can avail yourself of these lovely designs, such as the one Aaron is wearing tonight, the Amigas Are Scum T-shirt. Amigos Are Scum. You've also got our uh, Staff and Supporters T-shirt, always popular with the Patreon supporters. Uh, and there's a bunch of other. We actually sold our first uh, Guru Meditation shirt this morning. I want one of those. Uh, um be sure and check those out. It's a way to support the show. You can also support the show by going over to patreon.com slash amigos podcast and uh, throwing a few bucks our way each month really helps us keep the lights on. So, um, in fact, why don't we thank our Patreon supporters right now? So this week, I don't have a, a clever song. So what I'd like to do it like to the Star Wars theme or something. This week I'm going to do it to the Star Wars theme. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much thought gets put into. Dong, Duncan in the Styles, THT, Anthony Jarvis, Dreamcatcher, Adam Bowers, John Marshall, Darren Coles, Neil Mansell, Ruben Barracuda, Alan Kebab, David McCrandles, Gary Hucker, Will Williams, Ravi, Abbott, Kim, Tommy Humberside. Josh Nan, Jason Warns, Lane Eric Nelson, Graham W. Vepke, Paul Harrington, Rob O'Hara, Lauren Jaru, Jonas Rulo, Kilburn Barman, Tish from the Crypt, Adam Bradley, Chris Folds, Daniel Bingston, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Chad Halstead, and Brent Dowdy. That's pretty good. Thanks. Except that fanfare, you shoved a lot into that, didn't you? <laughs> we got to have the fanfare. I'd also like to thank everybody hanging out with us on YouTube Gaming right now. We always broadcast uh, at 5.30 on Mondays, except when we don't. Um, <laughs> that's very sad. That's, this that's is, a uh, lot. I'd like to thank uh, Henrik, L-H-A-B-M-R-C, Jason Warns, Walking the Cow, Amiton, um, Adam Bradley, 
uh, and a bunch of other folks, uh, Nak ZR, a bunch of people have already gone to bed because it's late over in Europe. But thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we also like to thank Hall of Light for all of the <laughs> scans of the boxes and uh, and all of the fine folks on YouTube that's for, uh, provided us with the in-game footage. You can see all those on the YouTube video. Um, Aaron, next week we are going to do another uh, memorable so memorable what memorable uh, <laughs> platformer on the Amiga. Maybe it's your favorite. I don't know if it's your favorite. It's I've not heard of this game, but this is this was a request that came in from Ravi. Kid Chaos. Oh, I've never played it. All right, sounds good to me. Well, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have a good time with it. We'll see you then. Until next time. Adios. Adios.